Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. Hello, Keith. How are you, sir? Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Exactly right. <laughs> that was uh do we want to really rehash the end of that game? What was your thought on no, the No, no, I just I got tickled at everybody picking the Eagles, and the Eagles are certainly deserving of being there. But something in the back of my mind, you know, Andy Reid and Mahomes and Kelsey, you just you just can't count them out. It was it was an entertaining game for sure. It was a fun it was a fun game to watch. I had a good time watching it and uh Neither of those teams is going away, and neither is Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. So I think we've got three or four cornerstones here for the next decade, it would it would feel like. I would agree. I would agree. We're going to talk mainly baseball today. we got Link Jarrett coming up. Season opener is uh, this week for FSU on Friday. By the way, I looked it up. We, didn't, we, we won't ask Link about this, Keith, but uh, the high in South Bend, Indiana on Friday is 29 degrees, and the high in Tallahassee is 68. So I'd consider that a win already. I listened or saw or read, I can't recall, uh, Mike Bell, who's the head coach of Pittsburgh uh, from Florida State, talking about uh, the, the weather doesn't matter. The weather doesn't matter. I'm going, Michael, you're just kind of talking yourself into it. <laughs> well, hey, you got to play the cards you're dealt. And if those are your cards, then the weather doesn't matter. But if your cards are, it's sunny and 68 here in February, that's what you're telling the recruits, right? Exactly. Hey, just a quick thought. I don't know that we'll get into this today. Uh, locking Mike Norvell up with a long-term contract through 2029. Uh, anything jump out about that? That it was so well-received. I mean, there was no hint of it couldn't be done. There was no hint that it shouldn't be done. There was no deadline to get it done. But A.D. Alford and President McCullough and, and, and Norvell got it done. And it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think we all knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time till they announced it. I thought maybe it would get announced back around signing day before Christmas or right after the bowl game. But obviously, got to dot some I's, cross some T's. Took a little longer than that, uh, or maybe they tabled the whole thing and after the until after the season. I don't even know. But it's good to have it done. I know that. And uh, there is certainly a lot of excitement about FSU football uh, as as Mike Norvell and Seminole Boosters uh, makes the tour. All right, we'll take a break. Come back talk baseball with Link Jarrett right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Really pleased to to bring a familiar uh, voice and name back to the program. He joined us when he uh, first returned to FSU over the summer. This is 
head baseball coach Link Jarrett, who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And Link, how are you, sir? Doing great. Just wrapped up literally a practice about five minutes ago. The guys are off to get a quick lift in. So we're now down to two. So uh, you've, you've done this. I mean, this is not your first rodeo. You did it uh, a couple of stops before coming back to FSU. But uh, as a head coach, no matter how much preparation you get in before game one and no matter how much time you have, is there always a feeling 48 hours that I haven't done enough and we need more time to work on A, B, and C? A, B, and C. I felt like today I went through that checklist for about the sixth time of things that the team needs. And you really hope that the individual components of this, like certain swings and things you've been working on technically with guys, that they have an understanding of it. Then it becomes, can the group function when it requires four, five, six people at one time defensively to execute and be on the same page to contain some of the stuff that comes up, be it, you know, tandem type relays, some of your awkward fly ball communications, your picks and rundowns, things that take, in some cases, five, six guys to all be on the exact same page to run these things. So we're going through the little special teams checklist. And that's as a head coach where you feel most responsible for them being in the right spot on that field and, and knowing what they're doing within those concepts. Link paranoia always sets in for any coach, any team uh, prior to the first game. What, what, what's been the one thing you're most pleased with? Well, I do like the variety. Uh, offensively and on the mound. Uh, on the mound, I think we have a, a good group with different uh, metrics and ways that they pitch, and that, that helps. Our depth is a little bit of a concern on the mound, and clearly when you lose 300-plus innings on your pitching staff, there are big shoes to fill. So the variety of guys – and the ability of some of those guys in these new roles to manage it. I, I do like what I see. And I like the balance offensively. I, I think we can be an interesting offensive team. I think we do have some, some capable left-handed hitters. I think we have some guys that can run. Um, I think we do have enough power so that that dimension does show up, which any good offense has to have that dimension, the extra base hit and the home run capability. Um, our short game has gotten better. I, I don't know that that's a true finished product for us yet with our bunning game. It's coming along. I like the way that's going. So I think when, when you've scrimmaged so much and you have two teams, my expectation is when we mesh this thing together and start to match up and put guys out there based on you know, who we're playing, I, I think it's going to have a good look. We, we clearly have some athletic guys. We have to play cleaner. I think that's been one thing we, we haven't done well enough is just the cleanliness of the game and the accuracy of some of the awkward throws that you have on a chopped ground ball or a slow roll or something funny from the, from the catcher's position where you have to make an off-script type throw. We have to be clean. So I do like what I see. Uh, there, there is room for growth and improvement, and there are going to be a ton of new faces. Let's let's dive a little deeper on the on the pitching link. And I know as as we're talking, I, I'm I'm sure you have an idea of how you're going to roll them out there. But you're you're still having those conversations with your staff and still trying to figure it out. And that'll be a work in progress, I'm sure, for for several weeks. You know, as you get into the season. But uh, I, who are some of the arms that you know you're going to have to depend upon? Whether it's starting on Friday night or or giving you four innings a couple times a weekend, or just helping you get through the the grind of the season. 
Yeah, well, you know, we extended really six guys, Montgomery, Bowmeister, Arnold, Crowell, Whitaker, and Ben Barrett. So we kind of extended all those, not not really with any specific role in mind, but knowing that there's a group of guys that have to build that pitch count. And the the calendar for college baseball, not the greatest, but that's what we have to deal with nationally is when they come back, those arms need to be far more ready than you would think. And that's done at home. Like So the responsibility of the initial preparation is on them, and it's not going to be here. So when they roll back in here January 8th, 9th, 10th, whenever it was, a lot of the legwork needed to be done because they need to be on the mound and essentially almost ready to pitch in a short competitive stint right out of the gate. So we built some guys up. They did a good job. Um, Crowell, dynamic, obviously left-handed and has done a really nice job. I think Carson Montgomery, geez, we, we you guys have seen him. You guys have seen him pitch more than me, but it is – continuing to trend in a positive direction. Bo Meister, sky's the limit for him. The Jamie Arnold freshman lefty has pitched very well. Dip, different type arm slot, and that fastball climbs its way in there. And then Connor Whitaker, I mean, he's got a very good changeup, fields his position. And, you know, with Crowell, with some experience, Montgomery's got some experience. Bo Meister, you know, some experience, not a ton. Um, so you're, you are going to see faces that are in different roles. I do like where we are with that group. Those guys, Crowell, Whitaker, Montgomery, Bowmaster Arnold, are the ones that we really extended more than some of the other ones. We got to a point with your David Barrett's uh, good slider and Brennan Oxford left-handed transfer from Wake that's a good left-handed leverage type guy. We've created a nice little mix. Uh, Doug Kirkland has come along. And he's got some outstanding life and a firm slider, you know, mid to upper 90s fastball and 84, 88 with a slider. So really good stuff. Health has been his issue. And the overriding theme, as you look at these guys with the calendar that we have, is just the arm health. Sometimes you're holding your breath as you build pitch counts and those guys are grinding away. You want to get to the, st the starting gates with everybody clearly healthy and I'm going to find some wood, knock on wood here, that um, that trend continues because we're in we're in pretty good shape so far. Link, obviously, it starts with pitching, but you got to have defense behind them. A, a criticism of recent times of FSU defensively. What are you doing additionally to uh, to to improve that and get that where you want it? We try to spend a segment each day on individual positional type defense, and so the catchers have things that they work on. You know, different things every day, but a little bit every day. And then the infielders, they have a segment dedicated to their positional skills. Same with the outfielders and the, the pitchers. That's a constant for them. But um, we do a lot of team defense, especially interior pitcher-catcher infield defense. We try to do about 20 minutes of that a day where some of the things, again, that require multiple people, you know, the pitchers getting over and handling the ball on the right side, the throws from the second baseman to the pitcher, the second baseman to the – first baseman, just some of the intricate parts of the game that good defensive teams do. We try to mix and match different aspects based on thirds of the field. So maybe something in the first base, second base, third, something in the middle, and then something on the third base side to give, give the infielders a chance to catch their breath as you regroup. And there's a pitcher assigned to each segment of that field as we roll through it. And I, I hope that helps. It's something we've worked on. And then once your guys are a little more acclimated 
with your bunt defenses and those things, you can clearly mix that in to those segments as well. I hope that helps and do a lot of fly ball communication. Just every day is different. Today, the wind was blowing out really for the first time. Sunday in our fan day game, the wind was blowing straight in from left, kind of toward the right field corner. So we try to mix in some some fly ball work every day because the, just simply the conditions and the sun and the wind change every day. And sometimes at the end of the game, it's a lot different than when the game started. Uh, along those lines, we'll practice tomorrow evening just to get under those lights about the time we're starting Friday's game. So, um, you know, we, we do a lot. And then the batting practice rotations with the cages and we have great helps. Sean, our director of player development and our managerial crew, they expand what we're able to do as coaches because they can help with feeding the pitching machines in the cage and just get the guys more offensive reps as we bounce through our, our batting practice and base running and offensive segment. So, we try to cover a lot and we try to keep it lively and, and efficient so there's not a lot of downtime. And, you know, the guys have caught on to that really well. We're talking with FSU baseball coach Link Jarrett. Link, there's some familiar names coming back in terms of your one through nine lineup. Uh, give us an idea of who you're leaning on and really a two-part question here. How far in the season are, are you comfortable going or you typically go where you're still tinkering and saying, you know, I thought this guy was good in the three-hole, but maybe the five-hole makes more sense and uh, – uh, or is that something that will be a work in progress the whole year through in terms of that lineup? I think it's something that just continues to evolve. Uh, rarely have I felt like you can simply pull out the lineup card in the pen and just go for it. There, there are metrics and scouting reports and things that may allow you to match up and do some different things. And I think all the way to, you know, even way into the College World Series this past season – you're still trying to figure out if this guy belongs in the six hole or the seven hole or the two, like, where do you, where do you balance it based on what you see, what you feel? Do you try to group some of your base runners together? So you have little pods of guys that can be action oriented. Do you try to stagger your left-handed hitters, right-handed hitters to make it more difficult for the other team to match up out of the bullpen and quite frankly, make it more difficult on the, the pitcher that's in the game to not settle in and face three or four righties or three or four lefties in a row. So there's a lot of things that go into it. I don't know that it ever becomes something that's etched in stone. You do like the fact that you have a carry-on back in play. You got Tibbs and Ferrer who are becoming better by the day. Um, and you have a catcher that Colton Vincent essentially caught every inning. And we got to transfer McGuire Holbrook, who's got a banged-up hand. He'll be back soon, but he's, he's out right now. Um, but there is some experience behind the plate. And um, – I think we're I think we're in pretty good shape. I, you know how we mix and match the younger guys that can that can run a little bit in the outfield. I think that's going to be a dimension that'll be fun to watch. And then we have a freshman third baseman, yeah, Cam Smith, is a very talented, dangerous, fun guy to watch. I just put it like that. He's got he's hit balls onto the circus tent and basically into the softball stadium. So when you can do that you know there's raw capability there and his adjusting to how you're pitched at this level will be something he'll have to deal with but um, the makings of a good lineup are, are clearly there. Link you're hours away from putting on that Seminole uniform and it's been more than a year since you last put on that Seminole uniform uh, maybe a lot more than a year what do you think is going to be going through your mind? 
honestly, I, I want to play a really good first inning. I, I honestly want the guys to get out there. I want us to pound the zone. I, if, the, if the ball is in need of handling, I want it to be clean. I want to get off the field, and I want to get in the dugout, and I want to see these guys battle and scratch and try to figure out ways to score. I just want to get into the game. You know, the, the pregame part, I think for anybody on opening day, opening a season, and for us, you know, in a new program, you're excited. Um, and you just simply want to get through that and get everybody to the starting gates and go compete. The comfort level in competition is easier for me personally than maybe some of the stuff that you have to deal with um, before you ever get to that moment. So I want, I want to have a good day on the front end Friday and, and simply get into the competition and let's throw the first pitch and watch those guys go fight. But Link, I'm going to, I'm going to dive deeper. The same uh, line of question that Keith just asked. I mean, you, you grew up playing at Florida high when Florida high was behind left field at Hauser. And then you wore the uniform for four years and went to Omaha three times, I think. And I I'm just curious. I don't know when you decided you wanted to go into coaching. I know you and I did some broadcasting together. When did you first think, hey, you know, maybe someday I could coach at FSU? Or, or have you even processed? Obviously, you processed it last year when Michael Alford contacted you. But just yeah. the emotion that goes with that. And I know you can't be emotional coaching a game. But somewhere in there, that's gone through your mind. There's no doubt. Um, I was just hopeful, um, not recruited. The recruiting so much different now. It was after my senior year was over, and I really – had it narrowed down to three places, Mercer, West Florida, and here. And the draft bit Florida State, and that, that opened it up for me. And I was just hoping I could make the team, to be honest. And I found a little spot out there, and, and I could do what Coach Martin asked at that position at the time. And I knew the game. I wasn't very good, but I knew the game, and I knew where to go. And that gave me a chance to play here. And you don't ever know how this works. I, I don't know when I felt like coaching was where I needed to go, the industry is so hard. Like it's so difficult to move in this business and it's not an easy entry level job I, to have a chance to play professionally for five years, very fortunate. And then starting at Flagler college, I coached the JV team and really had to recruit everybody. I had to get 11 walk-ons a year to come to Flagler to play in the JV team. And then I also had to coach the varsity team. I had two practices a day. I took care of, the game field, the practice infield. And like, I guess I knew later in pro ball that I wanted to go into coaching, but you don't know when you're playing at Florida state. And then in the minor leagues, you don't really know all that goes into it. So coach Barnett at Flagler, Dave Barnett, that indoctrination into what it was like to really run a program and do the strength and conditioning and take care of the field and order everything. Um, that was the best entrance for me. And you still don't know if you can make a career out of this, you have to get a break somewhere along the way. And coming back here to coach with the guys here for a year, helped me, um, no doubt, tremendous team, number one team in the country for most of the year. Um, Mercer, you start recruiting at the division one level and you kind of take it. And from there to East Carolina and you feel like, geez, okay, now, now you have a chance to put a product on the field that might get you to Omaha. And that's what led to Auburn. And then, to being a head coach, Greensboro and Notre Dame, and and here you are. So I know it's a lot of info, but you, you hope that in the back end of your professional career, for me as a player, I felt like that was a time where I realized, hey, you know what, 
I, I study the game. I feel like I, I know it. I think I can actually help guys play at a higher level than maybe they even think they can. And it's kind of what got me into it. And you just, you need some breaks. And clearly I was very fortunate to get some opportunities to move through the, the levels of coaching. And I, it's hard to believe I'm, I'm sitting here in this locker room. Link, we uh, we wish you the best of luck. We're excited uh, to watch it unfold. I know you're excited to be back here, opening uh, opening pitch five o'clock on on Friday at Dickhouser Stadium. Enjoy it. I, I know you'll be all business, but uh, soak it in at some point and appreciate it. Tom, I'll try. Hopefully, after that W, I hope if we win the game, then I think I'll be able to enjoy it for a little bit. <laughs> Understood. Appreciate the time. We'll uh, we'll let you get running. We'll come back with more front row knolls right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Great to catch up with baseball coach Link Jarrett. And great as always to say hello to our Osceola insider Bob Frante as we keep the Earl Bacon Agency hotline open and Bob, you've been out to, to Mike Martin Field and Dickhauser Stadium, and uh, we didn't ask Link about it uh, on air, but uh, he's very complimentary and appreciative of the the new, he called it an A-plus entry into the concourse, the main entry in there. And, and folks, you'll be impressed when you get out there this weekend, as, as well as the other enhancements, uh, uh, dressed up the locker room, the tradition room, working on the batting cages, the bullpen, all that. What what struck you, though, the first time you, you walked back into the, the stadium concourse? I think anybody who walks in, if you weren't there for fan day on Sunday, you're going to be really impressed because it's no longer that uh, kind of dreary gray walk from, you know, from say uh, first baseline all the way to the third baseline. There's not much excitement and there's not much to show a visitor to Dick Hauser stadium, maybe a younger fan who doesn't know the history of the program or just somebody who is trying to learn about Florida state. And now you walk through, you know who won ACC titles, you know who was uh, All-American or first-round draft pick or, you know, guys who played in Major League Baseball. You see, you know, oversized graphics on, on columns. And, and it's it's really been improved. I think it's, you know, what, what people have to understand is this is not a new $60 million ballpark like, you know, at Mississippi State or Florida. It's that same cozy, very intimate Dick Hauser Stadium with, you know, candidly, you know, a few million dollars worth of, of upgrades throughout. I think for the players, you know, their, their key areas where they work, um, the bullpen area, the batting cages, the clubhouse, lots of improvements, lots of reasons to feel proud from their standpoints. So I think everybody who walks in the stadium each day will say, this is, this is a fun place to watch a ball game. And for the players, it's, it's, it, it is work but it's a, it's a more fun atmosphere to, to be around and be very efficient as you go about your day. Keith, a, a quick aside, KJ, I was at the stadium last week and uh, it had not rained, but I was walking up the back stairwell and I looked down and I felt like it was wet. And then I realized it wasn't wet, but they had resealed and redone everything and it looked sharp. Uh, so I was impressed. I didn't realize that was in the works. Obviously I'd seen the banners and the new decoration, but when you look at that, that that I I, I literally I, I was wondering why it was wet and it wasn't wet. It just looked good, it looked shiny new. <laughs> Many things surprised Mr. Block. That's what we've learned to understand. Exactly. 
Exactly. I'll let you join the conversation now. I just don't remember them. They're not always surprises, Keith, but I no longer remember that I had already appreciated it previously. <laughs> Bob, I was just going to piggyback. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but as Friday draws near, uh, what's the one thing you're looking for in the first ball game under the Link Jarrett regime? I think we can all guess as to maybe who's the ace. Is it a guy like Carson Montgomery who's had a great preseason, for example, and who's going to start at certain positions? Honestly, I just want to see a, a, a cleaner ball club. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If we see fewer errors, if we see fewer strikeouts, but the ball in play, I think there's a lot of reasons to be really impressed with, you know, what, what Link Jarrett does well. If you talk to people who know him, the, you know, the baseball coaches he's worked with, the man is about details. You know, every precise thing, his practices, you guys have got to watch his practices, just how fast moving they are. And, and he does not miss time. They, they don't look like an old school baseball practice. He gets a lot done. I think if this team fields better, just get some ground balls to those infielders, you're going to see a team that you're going to have a lot more fun watching. I think that was just the the issue, you know, not not taking a shot at the old coaching staff or whatnot. It, it just, it wasn't as fun of a baseball team to watch game in and game out. And I think fans will really appreciate this, this brand of, of baseball. I think it will be a lineup that's going to score some runs. I think it will be a pitching staff that needs to mature, but has a ton of arm talent. And I think if the infield does kind of corral those baseballs, I think we'll, we'll see a team that's going to be very, very competitive within the ACC. I don't, I guess I'm, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but uh, Link is more of a perfectionist maybe than I realize. And maybe perfectionist isn't the right word, but the attention to detail that he seems to have brought. Uh, again, I shouldn't be surprised. He was really buttoned up a little bit of broadcasting I did. It was, uh, he was prepared and it came so naturally to him uh, and he was a great player, but have you been uh, surprised at all with just, I mean, when he's talking about redoing the bullpen, so it's more functional space for the pitchers to, to stretch so that a foul ball doesn't hit them immediately saying, Hey, we need turf around the first and third base. Just, I mean, it's almost like no, no idea has not crossed through that mind of his. I think part of that is he's been a head coach. Now this is his third stop. You know, between UNC Greensboro, Notre Dame here, he knows what he's looking for. He knows what guys need to succeed as a pitcher, as a hitter. I think he really, really wanted, you know, the bullpen area to be cleaned up to his specifications. He wants hitters to have the as, as good of a batting cage area as, as possible. They've installed some new computer systems, you know, around the park to, to get some better analytics for the guys. I, I think... Everybody, again, who we've talked to, I went back over the summer and read some stories that that we wrote. You know, you know, Billy Godwin was one of the guys at East Carolina who hired Link as an assistant coach. And Billy's been, you know, in the majors as a scout. He's been around college ball. Billy just said Link impressed from the minute that they met. I mean, it was just he had that kind of um, comfortability in conversation, but he knew what he wanted. He knew how to present himself what he could do for a program, how he could improve what they did. He's always well-regarded as a recruiter. And I think one of the, one of the great things, you know, that I've heard about Link is, is he doesn't have a cookie cutter approach to how he coaches. He tailors what each guy needs to, to learn and to hear. And he kind of, I think has used this time to, 
to analyze the guys and work with his coaching staff. He's had that continuity, you know, with his coaches now so that they can say, okay, we've gotten to learn these guys' personalities, how they've developed just since June. And now it's, okay, how do we get the best out of them once the season starts? So I think, yes, very, very, very detailed. I think he's admitted sometimes to a, to a fault, maybe a little bit too detailed, but I, I think that's just the way he's wired. That's the way he's going to handle things. And I think those details will, will make Florida State baseball much better. All right, Bob, we got the baseball team opening on Friday. The ladies, the softball team opened last weekend. What do you make in a short statement about what they were doing before they head down to Clearwater for their tournament? You know, I think a lot of people have focused on the loss to Longwood, and I, I might just chalk that up to, you know, the rain delays. It's your first weekend. You're trying out some new pitchers, things like that. I, I don't tend to put too much stock in that because Florida State's played really, really well through all the other games, honestly. Kat Sandercock looks like her old self, and Michaela Edenfield is is hitting, you know, truly in midseason form. She has had some monster home runs in, in these first few games. Uh, Katie Dack has been a great addition out of the transfer portal, a couple home runs, a triple. I, I think we're seeing a really good, well-rounded team. Now, is it as deep of a pitching staff as, as Lonnie Alameda might like? You know, she had tried to say in the preseason they were six or seven deep. I'm not sure they're nearly that deep. But Lonnie does like to, you know, kind of give the freshmen, some of the younger pitchers, some opportunities early in the year, just kind of feel out their development and see how how they come along. I, I think everyone's going to be looking toward Clearwater because you're playing so many ranked teams in a neutral site in a very short window. It's a huge test for anybody. But I think what's going to be great is to see, okay, Kat Sandercock against this opponent, Allison Royalty against that opponent, a freshman like McKenna Reed against the next opponent. You know, we won't just see Kat Sandercock every single day because I think Lonnie wants that experience for all of her pitchers. It's a great, great opportunity for them down there. Bob, on the hardwood, uh, the women's basketball team has stubbed its toe a little bit here recently. Well, I'll start there. Uh, thoughts on on how uh, they might be able to finish up. I know there's still an outside chance that maybe they could host some NCAA action, but but where are they right now? Yeah, I think they're on the outside looking in. I, I mean, there was optimism going into Thursday down at Miami. They had a week off. You thought maybe they would just have an impressive performance down there. Missed free throws. It's a loss. Went up to Virginia Tech. That's a tough turnaround from Coral Gables back to Tallahassee and then back up to Blacksburg. And they were just flat, couldn't defend the perimeter, gave up 14 threes. So, I mean, big picture, this has been an impressive season for Brooke Wyckoff and the players. When you win 20 games, I think they were the first ACC team to 20 wins, which is something notable in its own right. But the way that they have not finished this last two games, it does indicate to you, well, do they have enough gas in the tank? Do they need to regroup? Do they just... Are they a better home team? I've heard a lot of fans say, well, they've just got a much better home performance game in and game out, whereas they've tended to struggle at times on the road. Can they regroup and get a top four seed? I don't know. I don't think there's enough quality opponents left ahead of them. But if they are a five seed, I think they are a team that could go on the road and maybe scare somebody and potentially get to the sweet 16. They've got enough talent on this roster to make a bit of a run. So we'll have to see that the problem is, again, when you don't play as well away from home, then you're in a regional away from home. So they just haven't 
taking care of business enough to get them set up for March. That leaves the other side of the ledger. And uh, I pinch hit for Jeff Colhane this week and uh, on, on Leonard's show on Inside Seminole Basketball. And, uh, you know, you can tell we're at the grind. It, it's been a grind. And uh, when you get into the back half of February, it can really be a grind. Tonight, they play at Clemson. That's a game they could, I won't say should have won, but they could have won, certainly. Maybe should have won, but we don't need to relitigate uh, end game situation there against Clemson at home. But thoughts on tonight and just what, what you can expect or what we should expect from this team going forward. Yeah, I think the season has worn on, on Coach Hamilton. I think you can tell he's he's very, very frustrated with with how to how to push these guys. And, and he has seen moments that have been really, really good. I think we've seen improved passing, for example, at times in the half court set. And other times the team just doesn't execute the half court set. So it, it's it's almost that that inconsistency that we can count on as fans and media kind of following this team. You just don't know what to expect from possession to possession. I, I think Florida State's got the talent to win a couple of these games for sure. But honestly, aside from, from Boston College on Saturday, I don't know if there's, there's any of them left that you say, well, that's one Florida State really, really should, you know, take, take as a W. I, I do think they need some positive, you know, energy, some momentum going through these last couple of games. You know, Coach Hamilton thinks they can, you know, pull off a couple wins. Um, I, I thought, you know, Tuesday morning, he talked for the first time really about developing guys and, and getting them, you know, ready with the right mindset into the next season. And that was kind of uh, startling in a sense because he, he just had kind of deflected about thinking toward the future beyond mentioning we need to hit the transfer portal more. So maybe for the first time, I think he's starting to realize the season is coming to a close, just that there's not many opportunities left. Um, I Yes, I, I think this team can scare a few teams down the road here, but just that lack of consistency, you don't, is there an alpha player, a guy who can go out there and, and, and get you those buckets in crunch time when you need it? We just haven't seen, there's not a Trent Forrest, there's not a Malik Osborne, there's not a Terrence Mann, a, a guy who really can deliver for you in, in those big time moments. Well, reports out, Coach Ham said it. I'll be back. There's work to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm not stunned by that. He, he, is, he has said variations of I'm not retiring. I think for a few months on on and off, he doesn't want this to be his last year. I think everybody can understand that. the The question is just, you know, how does he hit the transfer portal to then blend in with the younger talent? And he's got some freshmen who I think are remarkable players. Cam Core and Chandler Jackson. Um, I don't expect Baba Miller to be back. I think some folks might be thinking he may just based on his performance, but. He can obviously go to Europe and play. He can be drafted. We'll we'll see how that plays out. I, I do think the era is here. Um, as he said repeatedly, the goal in college basketball is to get old and stay old. And they very much need to do that. He's seen too many teams game in and game out, 22-year-olds and even older. And he's out there with, with his, uh, as he calls them, second-year veterans, you know, guys who just don't have enough time in the scheme. He knows he has to retain the guys that he wants, you know, for, for potentially one more year, one more run next year. And then he really needs to hit the portal. I, I'd love to see a, a big man, a, a four or a five, a power forward or a center come in in the off season because they really need that, that guy who they can count on 
in the post for, for defense and for offense too. Well, the pit team that just beat them on Saturday, Bob, had five transfer starters and three of them were six-year guys. And Miami's had some six-year guys here of late too. So uh, quickly to football as we finish up, Mike Norvell is uh, on tour. He was in Pensacola earlier this week. Uh, I'm assuming the Osceola had boots on the ground with them, but uh, and and I'm also assuming that nothing earth shattering came out of that. But I don't know. What do you what do you think about the tour? Certainly, the excitement level is off the charts as he as he makes his way around to see Seminole fans. Yeah, I think I think Mike Norvell enjoys these trips to connect with with boosters and fans, and and obviously they have a uh, football in the building to to fundraise for so it's a good chance to to meet people face to face and and hope that there's there's some opportunities to fundraise too yeah i don't think there was any big news i, I think just that some of the comments that are very very positive you know for example mike norvell feels very very grateful that florida state has has backed him up with this contract extension through 2029 he emphasized in the negotiations florida state is where i want to be so to hear that he's not looking at the next job and yes, part of that is is PR spin in Pensacola as you're on a booster tour. But I think it, it is a nice line for him to use that this is where he wants to be. He's kind of grown up and followed Florida State football since he was, you know, a, a preteen in, in Texas. I think the other storylines are, you know, tour of duty workouts are going on and will for the next couple of weeks. He seems very happy with how the transfers have acclimated. And, and you know, as he always says, I'm going to work you very, very hard. You can go to another program and not work as hard. But he said it was a wake-up call for a lot of these transfers, you know, coming from various programs around the country. They did not quite know what, what tour of duty was going to be like. So I think when the iPhone alarm goes off at, at 5-something, and you have to be in the IPF at 6 a.m. ready to go, and, and Josh Storms is, is yelling and blowing the whistle, and all the coaches are after you too, that's that's a, a, a tremendous motivator. But it it builds the chemistry. It builds the culture that I think will continue, you know, what Mike Norvell is trying to do here. Our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Take care. We'll wrap yeah, things up right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back. Appreciate Bob Frante joining us as, uh, as always. Uh, Mike Norvell and company hitting the road. They were in Pensacola earlier this week. Keith, listening to the, the conversation or Bob's point about guys uh, adjusting to tour of duty, does that give you any kind of shakes or shudders or anything about uh, whatever it was called back in your day? Well, I had the uh, privilege of being at uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Legacy Dinner Friday night, and Coach Norvell was the speaker. And Kez McCorvey has been involved with SCA for quite a while. And uh, Kez and, and Mike were kind of going back and forth. And Coach Norvell made a comment about, okay, Kez, this is kind of like the first time you did mat drills under Coach Bowden. So mat drills, tour of duty, it was front of mind. And, uh, yeah, I remember my first mat drill. And remember, I didn't think, A, I was going to make it, and, B, I was going to be dead if I did. And see, I don't want to do this again. 
but you just learn to deal with it. And uh, the same thing for tour of duty. It is a necessary evil. I don't care what anybody says. It's a necessary evil. Well, they'll go through that the next couple of weeks, start spring practice uh, in, in early March. And uh, but I tell you what, it goes quick from the bowl until now. The, the long haul is really after spring practice until August. Exactly. I mean, we had eight or nine weeks of mat drills. And they, they'll have, you know, several weeks of tour of duty, but they'll get right back into spring. Now, unlike during my time, when spring game was over, you know, the end of May, we basically had off until August. You didn't have all the organized summer stuff, and many of us went home. That won't be the case for these kids, especially with the uh, NCAA rule changes where the coaches can actually spend a little bit of time with them on the field over the summer. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's 24-7, 365 for these guys. It's just segmented a little differently. Yeah, it's, it's good to have this conversation going. I worry a little bit about the hype train. Of course, we're feeding it, uh, maybe not as much as some others, but uh, it's there regardless. It's left the station, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to uh, watch it accelerate uh, between now and August. Well, uh, you know, everything you pick up talks about, you know, what's happening with LSU, what's happening with FSU, what's happening with the Knowles, what's happening with the Tigers. I mean, there's a lot of national attention being drawn and directed towards that uh, week one game. Um, it's going to get hyped both from the fan bases and from the national media. No question. All right. Uh, opening weekend, Knowles play uh, Clemson tonight in basketball. Opening weekend for baseball coming up on Friday at uh, 5 o'clock first pitch, and that will start the uh, Link Jarrett uh, era. We appreciate him joining us tonight. We appreciate you joining us today, as always, on Front Row Knowles. Tip of the cap to Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider. And, Keith, uh, let's gather again, uh, congregate next week. We'll do it once more. Well, we've done it a time or two every week. Why don't we do it another week? Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.